Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Wednesday, November 4th. The Tennessee Titans did some major house cleaning on Tuesday, sending a message that should ripple through the locker room like a two-tone blue wave. Outside linebacker Vic Beasley, cornerback Jonathan Joseph, and long snapper Bo Brinkley were unceremoniously released by the team. By and large, releasing Joseph seemed like a no-brainer, with his obvious struggles on the field and the recent acquisition of fourth-year cornerback Desmond King to clearly take his place. Cutting Brinkley, who's been around the Titans franchise for a very long time but has not played particularly well of late, might have been a bit more of a surprise. Broadway Sports is projecting that Matt Overton will likely be called up from the practice squad to take his place on special teams. No, the big one is Beasley. He was given a fully guaranteed $9.5 million contract this offseason in an effort to address the obvious and glaring need for an improved pass rush. The former first-round pick didn't exactly endear himself with the fans, team, or locker room by showing up 10 days late to training camp and earning himself a hefty $500,000 fine in the process. And then, of course, producing basically nothing on the field. And when I say nothing, I almost literally mean nothing. Beasley played 125 snaps in five games in 2020, which amounts to about a quarter of the team's defensive plays, and contributed a grand total of three tackles. Three! And one of them was an assist. Two solo tackles. One of John Robinson's most endearing qualities is his ability to admit a mistake or failure and move swiftly to solve the problem. Be it cutting second-round pick Kevin Dodd, releasing Josh Klein after giving him a fairly substantial contract, or admitting that signing Vic Beasley was a huge mistake. It's something that egos of general managers and head coaches in professional sports normally do not allow for, acknowledging that you were wrong. That said, the real issue is giving Beasley the contract in the first place. The Titans were thirsty for a pass rush, and rightly so, frankly, they still are. But Beasley was clearly a waste of time, money, and effort. I know that Mike Vrabel probably thinks that he can work miracles with outside linebackers in particular, and he's probably right. We have to assume that this was part of the decision to bring in Beasley. So the entire debacle doesn't hang around John Robinson's neck alone. In fact, there's plenty of time in the offseason to decide and argue about who is to blame for things like signing Beasley. But for right now, this team has bigger issues. The Titans are one of the AFC's best teams, but are one of the worst defenses. Even with Jadavian Clowney, this unit has a grand total of seven sacks on the year, ahead of only lowly Jacksonville's six. For a good comparison, the best team in the AFC, the team that just came to Nissan Stadium and won, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they have 30 sacks in seven games. Swapping Joseph for King is a major upgrade. Going from Brinkley to Overton could solve some minor problems. But releasing Beasley does nothing to improve the team immediately except for ejecting a bad apple from the locker room. And while that could be addition by subtraction, what the front office and coaching staff is doing is asking the current roster to solve the pass rush problem, one that hasn't produced any pressure all season long. Derek Roberson, if healthy, is the most likely replacement for Beasley, and he was excellent down the stretch last season. But he hasn't played a snap in 2020. I think he's good, but we're not sure. And if you thought he was that good, why did you give somebody 10 million bucks in the offseason? All of the movement in the last two days tells us one thing very clearly, that John Robinson and Mike Vrabel did not believe that they could win the Super Bowl as they were currently constructed, 
and making some major shakeups was the only way that they thought they could make that happen. Let's start to look ahead at what is turning into a monumental football game in Fayetteville this weekend between Tennessee and Arkansas. During the offseason and all summer long, we viewed this matchup as an automatic victory for Jeremy Pruitt in his third season. Yet, as the season has unfolded, things are very different for both teams. The Vols are coming off a bye week following three games in which they lost by a combined 81 points. Not exactly how fans expected the first half to play out. Arkansas, on the other hand, after going 0-20 in the SEC, has now won a pair of SEC games this fall and likely should have another win on its resume over Auburn if not for some bizarre officiating. Again, this was viewed as an afterthought W for Pruitt all year long and all summer long, and now the Vols are a two-point favorite. And frankly, Arkansas has all of the more established things right now. Felipe Franks has been the better quarterback than anything Tennessee currently has, as three different players were taking reps under center for Tennessee this week in practice, according to Jeremy Pruitt. Barry Odom has coached the Arkansas defense into one of the better units in the league relative to their talent level, while supposed defensive and development whiz Jeremy Pruitt hasn't been able to find suitable replacements for veteran leaders that he had on his defense last season. All of this has led to a very even matchup in a game that was not supposed to be an even matchup. The Vols are worse than expected so far to date, and Arkansas is better so far to date. And if the Vols want to sniff a 5-5 five and five record at the end of the season and maybe call 2020 a year of progress or, at the very worst, at least holding serve during a pandemic, well, then you have to go win this football game. I don't care how. And for my money... I want to see the highly touted and highly publicized offensive line carry this team to a win this weekend. You've had two weeks to prepare and to stew over one of the worst three-game stretches of the Pruitt era. The pressure of this game cannot be overstated, and Arkansas could easily win. So Pruitt and company better have solutions to problems, have a pissed-off and motivated football team this weekend, and better understand the repercussions if the losing streak moves to four games. Knoxville will not be a happy place. I don't know about you guys, but it is genuinely exciting to be talking about a professional sports team in Nashville vying for playoff seating. But that's exactly what Nashville SC is doing tonight against FC Dallas in what will be their final home regular season match of the year. The team's current form is among the best in the entire MLS, not just the Eastern Conference. And keeping that momentum going into decision day will be critical. The boys in gold have a chance to earn, at the bare minimum, a home playoff match, which would be super fun for Music City and at the very best, maybe working their way into getting to skip the play-in round. Gary Smith's defense has a chance to finish as the best MLS expansion defense in the history of the league, and it gives them a chance to win in every match that they play. If the offense holds up its end of the bargain, this team could be a legitimately dangerous club in the playoffs, which is really exciting to think about. The Wednesday evening match gets started at 7.30 as the club looks to extend two major streaks, its current five-game unbeaten streak and its current nine-game home unbeaten streak. Should Nashville SC get a victory tonight, obviously collecting the three points would be huge, but it would give the club a final home record of 5-1-5 in its first season of action. One loss at home in 11 matches? No matter how you slice that, that is exceeding all first-year expectations for professional soccer in the city of Nashville. Kick back and enjoy the match tonight, folks. Thank you all for listening. Of course, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Tell all of your friends. 
We love the feedback. We want the feedback. It'll make the show better for you guys. Uh, I do appreciate it. My name is Braden Gall, and this has been the 440 for Wednesday, November 4th. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler. Thank you.